What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, what are you made of? What are you made of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy and subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. We are back with another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, Mike C-Rock. Thanks for joining us. We are live also on Facebook, and uh, I'm thankful for all of you joining us and the support that you've given your boy C-Rock and the What Are You Made Of movement. Um, and guys, just a reminder before we get started today, Rocket Fuel is on pre-sale right now. My book, my debut book, talking about how to turn setbacks into rocket fuel for your future. Go to MikeCRock.com forward slash book, MikeCRock with no K.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy and I'm throwing in 30 days free of access to my interactive rocket fuel program. It's one of the most interactive, awesome programs out and it's going to help you uh, with your proactive resiliency and making sure that you're prepared for setbacks and adversity so that you can just not get through them and survive, but blast out of them and blast by your competition. And that's what I want for you. So go get that copy of the book, Rocket Fuel. And today's show, guys, I'm excited because I have my f- new friend. By the way, she said, should I call you Mike or C-Rock? And I said, my friends call me C-Rock. So she's my friend now, Laura M. Wild. She is a uh, awesome person. I can't wait to introduce you to her. But let me give you a little background on, on Laura. She's thought, a thought leader in the field of holistic player development and holistic sports medicine. She uses her proprietary methods with elite NCAA, WNBA, NBA, NFL, and MLB, baseball, <laughs> baseball players. <laughs> staffs and coaches. She also is a partner with Turn to Equity Partners. She has appeared on the Doctor CBS show and numerous podcasts, including Los Angeles local Los Angeles local radio and TV pieces, along with What Are You Made of Now? So uh Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, C Rock. I love that name, by the way. It's like a baller name. Well, first of all, I'm Italian, and when you're Italian, you get a you get a nickname, and it's not by choice, and you just got to take what you get. And I'm very fortunate that I had that one instead of something like uh, Tiny or or Shorty or something. Right. But a little Joey, like one of my friends. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'll roll with it. But thank you. So, so we always start the show um, by talking about what are you made of, and I'm going to ask you that question now, and I want your honest, transparent answer. What are you made of, Laura? I think I'm made of intuition, and uh, I know I'm made of love. And I feel like because of where I've gotten that I made of resilience, it's actually one of my favorite words in the whole world. I love it. I love teaching. it. I love sharing it. And like, you know, I'm sure like, what's the thing that's not the great thing that I'm made of? And that's probably like literally insecurity. I'm probably the most insecure person that I know. <laughs> and that, so this, and this is great because you're being transparent and vulnerable with that. And I, I love that. And I'm, yeah. I try to be that way myself because I think people can really connect with us. Yeah. Uh, when we do that, but, um, what do you, let, let's, the, the first question I'll ask you about that is what do you do to overcome your insecurities? Well, I, one of the things I did is I once spent a month, uh, with no jewelry, no makeup, and I wasn't allowed to get my hair done until I could actually recognize myself as beautiful just because. So, and I also wanted to see my inner beauty as a default and not be relying on my looks all the time to do things or to whatever it was, you know, like right. starting at age 14, getting free McDonald's cheeseburgers from the boy in the drive-thru. <laughs> So it's like, I want to make it with my own depth and my own grit. So I did that. It was around 20, 2008 when I started doing that. 
Because I was wearing jewelry one day and this guy that I knew, I said, he said, why are you wearing those earrings? I said, because they make me look pretty. He goes, what? That doesn't make you pretty. You are pretty. It adds, like you add to the jewelry. I was like, oh man, new philosophy, new concept. That guy was good. That guy, that was, guy good. was good. <laughs> broke my brain open. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there is there a problem with though, like, you know, liking to look pretty from the outside and using things to accentuate things? Like, I feel you on that. Don't get me wrong. But I, yeah. I always want to make sure that people understand that it's okay to to me, like working out, some people say, I'm just working out for my health and make sure I feel good. And man, come on, bullshit. you like, right. I like to have muscles too. Come on. <laughs> I love having biceps. I love to, uh, I literally, I do love to look good. So I think what it was is, you know, I didn't grow up in LA uh, and being in LA, you notice that looks are really important. Not only how you look in your face, but your car and your clothes, et cetera. But I've never really bought into that. I'm quite a hippie, but I started to feel like I was leaning into that. I was starting to overly judge myself. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to do this really drastic thing for a month and just be very completely hippie girl and not, you know, adorn myself. But I definitely feel that it's important for us to look good for ourselves and to be the best that we can be. So, you know, I love to do all that stuff to get dressed up and put a nice, uh, uh, Oprah once said, never leave the house without lipstick. So (laughs) I try to, I try to uh, subscribe to that. You know, it's funny. Oprah's stories is wonderful. And, and when I was a kid, she was just getting started, you know, and, and it's awesome to sit and actually observe a journey like that to see how far she's come. And, and, uh, you know, looking back, a lot of people don't think do that. They just assume that she's just special and she just did it because she was just destined to do that. And really when you look into it and talking about what you do for a living, right. You know, can you talk about somebody like Oprah or somebody like, you know, these, these wonderful athletes that you work with, what it really is, is that besides the athletic ability, it's something that internal that you can actually develop and work with, right? Yeah, it is. I feel like we can all be great. We all have a genius within us to unlock. And you know, I remember I, when I was a kid, my grandmother would watch Oprah in Chicago because you know her, her talk show was regional then. And I didn't think much about her, but my grandmother always had her on. And to me, I was a biracial kid. That was my black grandma. I didn't really pay attention to the fact that it was a black woman on TV because I was really oblivious at that point to race, right? Right. So- I remember uh, people start to say things like um, Oprah had a story about how she at one moment believed she could be great. And I think we have to start with that where we have to say, you know what, there is a path for me here. And so for me, you know, my, I don't, I started to notice that there's a, a huge path, but I noticed a path a long time ago and I just kept going after I did whatever it took. You know, I have friends who work in the NFL or NCAA who'll laugh. They'll say, you know, I remember when you used to sleep on the lobby in the couch of the Hilton or the Marriott at a huge conference for the NCAA and we'd feel sorry for you and get to your room. <laughs> so I would like, I was like, okay, I got enough for the plane ticket and the cab or what, you know, we didn't have Uber back then. And so I would fly to Indianapolis for this NFL combine to try to make connections and meet people, but I didn't quite it's have not, the whole just so networking. Many. That's what networking. You're, totally. So, and I realized that the, I knew that the stuff I was doing could be groundbreaking and that people had to know about it. So I would just talk to anyone. I'd walk up to a, a group of guys around a table. I was always one of the only women has been beneficial in that way, right? To wear earrings. <laughs> um, so I'd walk up to a table of guys and just say, Hey, I'm here because I do really great work. And I've created this thing called quantum sports medicine. If you know about it, you'll want to use it for your athletes. Unfortunately, most of them didn't or don't because there's a lot of new stuff that I'm doing that isn't mainstream. So but knowing that that's that it's important and knowing that it can really improve the lives of others has kept me going. Like I just keep going on it. And then, you know, a few years ago, I got a chance to work with an NBA team. So boom, you know, it was an overnight success. We're sleeping on Marriott couches in the lobby. 
to, you know, now I'm a Marriott Bonvoy member. I walk in like, hello, Ms. Wild. <laughs> so it's yeah, so I different. Got my I have my Bonvoy too. Right. <laughs> so, so let me understand this though. Like where was the breakthrough from what you wanted to do? And then by the way, too, when you started working with these major leagues and NBA teams and things, did you really feel like you had made it that moment? Or are you still like, no, I'm not there. Nah, I'm, no, I definitely haven't made it. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, so. I, you know, I don't, someone said something like, don't get, don't forget who you are. I was like, I don't even, even if I was the most famous person on earth, I wouldn't feel quite good enough yet. You know, I, I have this inner tendency to like, not, I believe in myself, but I don't always believe what others believe about me. You know, I know who I really am. I'm really in touch with that. I have, a, I feel like I have a lot of self-awareness and I'm really willing to get in the mirror, like get in my own face. And that's where I really changed. In about 2011, I spent many months homeless because I just made choices, you know, not even bad choices. Just I would try to just nine years ago. Yeah. Just not too long ago. Yeah. I took some chances and I thought, okay, I'm going to make this move and do that and have this apartment. Next thing you know, one of the moves I tried to make ended up with me having no rent and I couldn't keep my rent going. So I slept in my car thinking it would be for a week and it turned into a long time, you know, so I had a great gym membership, but I had a lot of time to soul search because my main source of income dried up, which meant I had a lot of time. And I also found that I was really happy. Like I was like, man, you actually don't need the money to be happy. Like I would go to the gym mirror and hang out at the gym a lot. I got in really great shape. I didn't eat a lot of food because it was expensive. And my skin was really clean because I didn't eat junk. (laughs) So there were like a dozen benefits. You know, I got to be by the beach more often. I always tell the story about how uh, one day I'm going to buy a house on Georgina Avenue, but I lived on Georgina for several months in a Mercedes and parked (laughs) in front of different cars, different houses. So um, there was a day when I realized that getting vulnerable and not hiding that is a better gift to my listeners and anyone who I'm talking to. Cause they always think, Oh yeah, no, how would you know? I, I do know. I, you know, I've been sleeping in a car, you know, the police once knocked on the door and I was afraid I'd be arrested. And they're like, what are you doing out here? Women shouldn't be out here by themselves. I'm like, I know, but I'm not going to give up and go back home to my parents. I'm like 30 years old, dude. <laughs> right. Right. So and I got, you know, it, it got cold. I got a really great sleeping bag. I mean, I learned how to survive and at this point, nothing scares me. You know, I don't have a fear. There's no fear of being homeless. I'm like, well, you know, once in a while I actually go, well, I had a lot of free time and I read a lot of books. So it wasn't all bad. And I know that I fell flat on my face. When I got in the mirror, I looked at myself and I thought, you know, you created this. So get out of it. Your thoughts created this, your self-sabotage, your doubt, your inability to see yourself as great, good, or good enough or worthy at any point in time is why you're here. So if I really realized that like really deeply, I don't think I deserve a good life. So I got in the mirror, told myself all these things over and over again. I wrote affirmations. I used my metaphysical teachings. I started hanging out in the meditation center at Agape, which I had kind of fallen away from. And I just got back on my meditation game and on my internal mind game because I felt like I could create out of nothing. And I did. I wrote down things. And then within a year, I was living in this three-story townhouse, driving a Porsche, you know, seeing clients again. I just truly had to get real with myself and and take all ownership like this is no one did this to me i did this to me right and so where did the insecurity stem from um honestly i was thinking about that the other day i think it's because i i'm biracial so i always had this little afro when i was a kid and the kids would make fun of me so i think it just stemmed from my environment of you know i'd go back and forth to this completely black neighborhood in the south side of chicago and then i'd go back to the white suburbs of chicago and i just had an identity issue you know because I don't think anyone around me, I mean, I was, you know, I was biracial before biracial was cool. Yeah. Like yeah. before, you know, before uh, the Cosby show, uh, whatever that show was, Different World with Denise. Yep. And she was like this yep. beautiful biracial girl. I didn't have her to look up to. I was my own look up to. Yep. So I think it was just, you know, not feeling like I fit in. I honestly, you know, I didn't have 
I didn't gr- grow up with a life of crazy trauma. You know, there, I don't have that story, you know? Yeah. So I think it's just, and also I was really self-aware at a young age and I'm really intuitive. So I think I could really honestly always hear people's thoughts. So I feel their pain, their sadness, their distaste for me. So I think that's part of it. Just being a little too tuned into others and listening to what man. they think. <laughs> I feel They're you good. on that. You know what? I, I grew up with yeah. a lot of broken people, man. Um, mentally, drugs, uh, suicide, um, you know, yeah, a lot of things like that. And I, and I, man, I can, I can really connect with you on that because uh, I feel like I was always trying to build people. Like I was trying, I wasn't okay with the way things were and seeing them struggle right. and then taking it out on me and this and that. I was yeah. trying to please and also fix. Yes. And, uh, you know, I think that's what's led to the company I started people building is that yeah. I, I see opportunity to help people and I'm just not okay with where people are, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but so, you so see talk- their greatness, right? You see their greatness too. Oh, without a doubt. You know, you that's know? the thing you see like, man, look at the potential here. I now I, I believe we were put in on this earth with people say blessings or I say yeah. potential and blessings. Yeah. And to me, it's an ethical moral thing when it comes to that, because for my creator or whatever people believe, but I believe that I was created, yeah. that it would be a slap in the face, whoever created me, which I believe in God. Yeah. yeah. And every morning when I wake up, I feel like if I'm not going for my potential, it's a slap in, in my creator's face. Yeah. And so um, when I see other people doing it as well, it's like, come on, man, let's, we got to fix this. Yeah. You know? so, when you, yeah. You think about how long, how hard it was for you to be alive. Just you think about all the ancestors. There was some meme on Instagram the other day that Elliot Perry, an NBA guy posted about how, I think it took like 4,209 ancestors or something to, for you to actually arrive at this moment in time. So it's like, for me, I think about ancestors who were on slave ships being brought across the ocean, people who worked enslaved in the fields. And then, you know, of course I have that light skin thing. So then my great, great grandmother was a house slave and uh, I didn't know her, but I knew her daughter. People say things like, oh, slavery happened forever ago. Get over it. I'm like, no, dude, I saw the woman in the bed whose mom was a slave. Like, I'm not even that old right now. So I feel like I have ancestors who put up with a whole bunch of BS just for me to be here. So, you know, I feel like I fall short even knowing that, even as hard as I work and as much as I have accomplished. So I don't really buy into my own anything. It's like, no, there's always more, you know, my brother's like that too. If I have a great success, I'll call him and tell him. And halfway through the conversation, I I remember he's going to go, okay, so what's next? (laughs) I go, woohoo. Okay. What's your next big thing? Like, dude. (laughs) But I do feel like for me, my trauma is only my, my race and my intuition. So for me, that's been the big thing. I love intuition. It's amazing. It helps me be a great healer. However, you know, I have to manage it and use it in a way that works for me. And that doesn't, uh, you know, bring me down too much. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Now, speaking of living in a car, um, Grant Cardone, <laughs> I don't know if you know, Grant Cardone is on uh, uh, the second season of Undercover Billionaire. And it's a show about billionaire going undercover and losing his name, everything he has. And they give him a hundred dollars, a cell phone and an old beat up truck, no contacts in the cell phone. And they got to start a million dollar business in 90 days. And Glenn Stearns did it first. And he was a mortgage guy, similar to me, but, but way more successful. Uh, but he did it and he lived in his truck for you know the first few days until he figured it all out. And Grant's going back and I'm sure Grant had to figure something out with this too. So it's going to be interesting to see. Wow. So uh, January 6th, guys, go go check Grant out on Undercover Billionaire. I'm a Cardone licensee, by the way, so I support Grant and I want to 
help promote uh, the show because it means so much to me. And it's going to show people that someone that can go back to that and still do something and it's going to be inspiring. And I'm inspired by your story. When was it that you, when you finally got to click where you were able to get to townhouse and then get back, get clients again? Like what, do you remember that moment? Um, Yeah. I was sitting in my car and I had talked to my meditation teacher and he told me that I was arrogant. And uh, (laughs) at first I was mad. I was like, wait, what do you mean? I'm arrogant. I'm not arrogant. And he said, yeah, you're arrogant. You think that God's out here because, you know, you know how you talk about your house in Georgina that you live in front of. So God bless that person more than you I said, no, you're arrogant. You think you're so special that you don't have enough. He's like, that's arrogance. And I've been reading this book called Life Visioning. And it's like, helps you kind of craft your life. And he's like, you have every bit of power you need to change this. And instead you're being arrogant. So that moment, that phrase, that statement, like really cut me to the bone. It's like arrogant. How dare him, you know? And so I kind of did my little you know, whooshed away. But then, you know, I thought about it. And within the hour, I realized how right he was. And so I just made a decision like, all right, done with this time to change time to get better. You know, all this time I was sending money back to my son in New York City for him to live in a really nice studio because I wanted him to be safe. So I wasn't without money. I was just without, you know, a full household. I was out without homes on both coasts. So it's really interesting how I knew that as a, to be a good mom, what I had to do. And it's like, yeah, but being a good mom is actually being healthy and being safe and having a roof over my head. So between the motherhood and the arrogant comment, <laughs> I made some big changes and things really changed. And I, it's, you know, I, I thank myself and I thank my teacher, but I also know that, you know, God was always there. I just chose to not recognize the full power. Yeah. A lot of times he's like throwing these things at you and like, Hey, I'm trying to help you here. <laughs> right, <laughs> you exactly. Don't, don't take it. Um, <laughs> so, so and then, so how do you, when you go into working with athletes at that level, um, how do you earn their trust? Well, one thing is, um, I always remind them that I'm kind of like a big sister and like one of the guys was calling me auntie wild, auntie Laura. So, <laughs> um, I think that helps just to, I mean, I raised a single young black man by myself. And a lot of those guys had single moms. So it's also being present and noticing the good things they do and like, you know, knowing that they need encouragement and love and not letting them be, you know, they don't, they don't think they're that great. They're insecure too. Like pro athletes are really insecure. Just recognizing that first of all, and not being afraid of them and not being in awe of them because I'm not, I mean, I just recognize we're all really human. Some of us just have more talent when we wear our sneakers than others. Mm -hmm. So the trust I build is really uh, consistency as well. It's being present, being seen and not prying. And I always have a rule that I don't ask people a lot of questions. Uh, young men in that age range of like 20s and early 30s don't like you to ask questions. There's like a three question max in my book. So I try not to get even there, you know. Yeah. So I just, I, you know, I, I let them be in the silence if they need to be. And I don't try to talk their ear off. And where do you, where do you start when you work with a client? Where's like, where's the first couple places you start? Oh, I always ask them what their biggest dream is. And then when they say it, I always tell them there's, what's the one you didn't tell me that you were afraid I'd laugh at. So <laughs> cause there's that. always a, right. There's always a dream that people don't want to share. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and, then, and, and then you start saying that dream and you're afraid to share because not only, only are you afraid of other people laughing at it, but your own little, little man or woman inside yeah. of you that's talking trash. Right. Yeah. And exactly. so you got to beat that. You got to beat that guy down. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, well, that guy, you know, it's interesting because some of the mental performance work I do, I've added in epigenetics, energy medicine, because it feels like a lot of people want to do mental performance and mindset training. But for me, it's like, well, I, I know this mind body medicine. I've been doing healing work, work for almost 15 years. So let me add that in. So that little guy or girl inside really is, is activated sometimes through the trauma of our DNA, you know, like for a young black athlete, like for me, like my great, great, great grandmother, it wasn't good to be pretty. It wasn't good to be, you know, too smart. It wasn't good to even learn how to read. 
So things like that and trauma of, you know, enslaved people can carry through our DNA. We know this, you know, scientifically. They did a lot of studies on people who were in, whose uh, relatives were in the Holocaust, what they suffer from today. So I know that the epigenetics of it means that little voice is really loud. So the benefit I have, and I would say the the benefit for the athletes I work with is that I can help them do through through epigenetics energy medicine. I can help them get rid of that little voice that really comes from trauma of an ancestor sometimes. It's not good to be a smart, young, tall, noticeable, wealthy, young black man. Like think about how dangerous that was. It's just recently Mm -hmm. as 1950s, right? Yeah. So in 1950, that would get you killed or lynched. So we're asking guys to not self-sabotage only, you know, 70 years later. I mean, they probably knew the guy who had that situation. They probably knew their great grandfather. So there's a lot to overcome and it's not only our own minds. It's really our DNA. Yeah. And how can we, you know, as a, as a country too, like, and how can we get people to really understand that? Because like, if you look at some of the folks that still have the, the racist beliefs that have been put in their heads and that's DNA as well. And they just can't get it out. Like, it's like, you know, we're trying to solve problems here and build unity, but there's, there's deeper rooted problems that it's not just a matter of uh, saying something to somebody like, Hey man, you're racist or Hey man, you, you need to be more understanding. Like it's, yeah. it's, they, they actually need work from, from yeah. people. And I don't know how, you, how do you do that on a massive scale? Yeah. Well, for me, one of the things I've been doing since I read in about 2008, I read Power Versus Force by Dr. David Hawkins and David Hawkins, book, yeah. right? Isn't that I'm great? Starting so, I'm starting to right? read it. Oh man, I had that book around for a year or two. Then I finally read it and I was really like, mom, you should have made me read that book. And she's like, I told you. I was like, you know, we'd like to argue about the things she did or didn't tell me. So um, I read that book and he just really reminds us that we have the power to change the world by doing more meditation and by being a better human being. So there, you know, there became, there came a time within the last few years when I thought, wow, like there's so much hatred. I can't be face to face with the hatred because that isn't going to really necessarily help anyone. And it might help someone, but if I can really focus on just working on my corner, my circle, my tribe, and being in a state of love and being the peace that people need to feel, that's going to be my best chance to emanate that out and share it. And I mean, sometimes, you know, with the, the good thing is, the DNA trauma that we have, like that people will, as people, older generations die off, the younger generations don't have it so deeply entrenched. So even though they may get a, a, a mentality, you know, of racism, it's not the same as, you know, owning slaves. So people who are having racism or a lot of hatred, you know, it's like a new thing, right? It's just purely mine. It's not these habits and lifestyle. So I do think that we can grow out of it and evolve out of it just by, you know, the next generation, the next generation. And I think that we're seeing that um, for for the most part in the younger generation, it just stinks that it's like, it seems like to me, it gets more into like a, a Dallas Cowboy, Philadelphia Eagle rivalry or something. <laughs> and when it comes down to politics and yeah. race and all that, it's so, it's so stupid when it comes down yeah, to it. Like, right. And, and if you side with one side or the other, then you don't, it's just, it's so stupid. The whole mm-hmm. thing with that. Like, yeah. I believe that love, like you just said, love conquers all. And if we can just all understand that we should, and it goes back to the golden rule. It's so simple. Just treat up people the way you would want to be treated and then lift each other, encourage each other, lift each other up. One thing, um, Laura, that people don't get is that when you encourage other people and celebrate other people's wins, it gives you yourself a lift. Yeah. But people don't totally. realize that they, they're so threatened by it, you know? Yeah. And you know what? Uh, one of my friends always says, you know, you, you can't keep it if you don't give it away. So, you know, if I see someone who buys a beautiful home, I don't ever say, oh, I can't believe they can afford that. And I can't. I go, I'm so grateful they got to buy their home on Georgina, just like I will one day, you know, and like, yep. wow, their book is a bestseller. Great. So is mine going to be. 
You know, you said something interesting about sports and about uh, like the Philadelphia Eagles and Cowboys rivalry. So I grew up a Cowboys fan. So basically, oh, we're man. never going to. Uh, I said that because I'm an Eagles fan. Not this we're year. We're still friends. I, I ain't still an Eagles friends. fan this year. I'm not year, a Cowboys now. fan this year either. That's cool. <laughs> we're not. This year, we're like the same. But, you know, it's funny is that um, uh, you're never going to make me be an Eagles fan and I'm never going to make you be a Cowboys fan. So that's the way I look at some of the racist stuff, except that sports can really heal us because. Uh, I, so I went to this um, bowl, bowl game in Arizona one year. I guess it was the national championship. And uh, it was Ohio State versus uh, Florida. And I was really cold. And so I go to buy an Ohio, because I went with all my Ohio State friends. I wasn't a fan, but they all were. So I'm with them. I go to the Ohio the Ohio State uh, Florida store to buy a sweatshirt. They're out of Ohio State sweatshirts. I'm like, dude, my friends will kill me if I buy a Florida sweatshirt. But I was so cold. It was like the Arizona desert. I'm freezing. So I buy a Florida sweatshirt. And then... Florida wins the game. So I, so I don't go back to my friends. I just like, you know, pretend like, Hey, I'll, I'll be back later. I'll see you guys in the car. So I'm walking through the arena after the game and Florida has won and strangers are, this is obviously before that whole mask thing. Yeah. So strangers are mobbing me and like screaming and coming over and dancing with me. And I just was like in tears, like, dude, they have no idea. Like <laughs> I've been to Ohio state parties and all the, oh, the events cool. with the coach and stuff like that. And I was sitting there, but I had this huge revelation, like, wow, like through sports, like, I mean, you know, forgive me for saying this, but like sports are better than religion because sports can connect us. And I'm never going to hate someone from Ohio State. I might, right. or Florida, I might not agree with them, but I'm going to say, oh, good game. And I'll shake their hand at the end. Yeah. So I was like, man, if sports replaced religion for a day, we'd have world peace. Like really. <laughs> right. Yep. It, it really comes down to that, man. Well, look, uh, I want to give you an opportunity for any final words, um, any final words of encouragement, Anything that people can really chew on and think about uh, after watching this awesome interview. By the way, uh, not awesome you. on my part, but awesome on your part. <laughs> <laughs> also on both parts, C Rock. I'm, I'm not humble, man. This I was. No, no, I'm not. You're great, C Rock. There is a <laughs> greatness you. within you. There is a magnificence you. within you, and that's what I tell my 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 clients, my people, my friends, my family. Like there is an inner spark and a divine spark within you that was placed there, and it's up to you to let it shine. And so, one of the best ways to let it shine is to watch other people we're letting their shine. So turn off some of that negative negativity on TV. Don't watch all those negative movies, but find something where you're being in the joy, like watch old Olympic moments where people are doing these feats, like winning races. They have no business winning or like watch Nadia Comaneci or Merely Retton because the divine spark in them will elicit it in you. And that's, that's what I think is just watching other greatness inspires our own greatness because we all have it. We all have something really incredible and special and magical. It's just a matter of tapping in and unleashing it. I absolutely love that. Can I share a dream with you? Please do. This is something I haven't told a lot of people. Some people know, just a few people, but I envision myself being a go-to person for uh, high profile people, celebrities, sports people that get into some trouble and they're like, I need to get out of this and I need to be like better than I was before. And like, I can't live without C-Rock. I need C-Rock for this purpose and not for my ego, but because I want that power to be able to help people. Like that's so, to me, so like would be awesome. Now, for example, um, my man, Tiger Woods, you know, to me, to be as great as he was in the first place, but then to have that fall because of decisions that he made, self-sabotage, whatever you want to call it, but then to own it and then to not just overcome it and, and re because you said resilience is one of your favorite words. It is yeah. for me, except that it's not powerful enough. Uh, like to me, uh, like, I don't want to just survive and get through things. Right. Like, I want to blast off into space. And that's, yeah. that's the attitude that I want to have and, and share with people. And that's what Tiger did winning the masters again and getting back yeah. on top of his game. And that's just such a, a great uh, role model for what rocket fuel concept is all about. And so I just thought I'd share that with you. Cause that's <laughs> something that I can see myself doing and I want to do at some point. And yeah. uh, I can see you doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I totally thank you. That. 
once I like decide something, usually it's uh, like, I just, I'm relentless. So, <laughs> but it's scary to think about too, because it's like, what, what's going to come along with that? Am I going to travel more yeah. in my family? So there's counter intentions right. versus your intentions, right? Right. We have to so, become a different person uh, to reach the dream that really matters for our lives. You know, yeah. like this, whoever I am right here and you are right there, these people are not the people who will have those huge dreams show up. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, look, how can the audience engage with you? Uh, I love Instagram. I'm Laura Mitchell Wild on Instagram. Wild is W-I-L-D-E. And I wrote a book called The Cosmic Athlete. It's on Amazon, The Cosmic Athlete by Laura Mitchell Wild. And then I'm also Laura Wild. Uh, sorry, I forgot. Laura M. Wild.com. I teach classes. One of them is called Intuition Superpowers. And I teach zone classes for athletes because I love to teach people how to get in the zone. And I have a new book coming out called The Meta Athlete, How to Be an Elite Performer. So that'll be fun. That'll go engage. Out. Go engage with yeah. it. Oh, wait, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I said that book will be fun because I really want to give people some of these tools that pro athletes use to become better and great, you know? Yeah, I love it, man. And you've been an awesome guest. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you and I look forward to working with you possibly in the future and, and staying connected. So, Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much, C-Rock. I'd love that. Let's stay, let's stay in touch. All right, guys, you've been listening to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy C-Rock. Go get that Rocket Fuel book, guys. Go get it. Help me out. I want to inspire millions of people, but I can't do it by myself. I need your help. That's Mike C-Rock with no K, MikeCrock.com forward slash book. Thank you all and be great. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCrock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCrock.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode.